Hey everybody, what is going on? Welcome back to the latest episode of the Restaurant Growth Podcast by Seven Shifts. I'm DJ, your host, and on this show, we bring together the best minds in the restaurant industry to bring you big insights and new ideas to help your restaurant grow. Today on the show, we're welcome Chris Smith. Chris is the founder and CEO of Zunzi's and Zunza Bar, a South African-inspired sandwich shop and bar with locations in Savannah and Atlanta, Georgia. Chris also has his title, Protector of the Promise. What does that mean? Well, Zunzi's is unabashed about their strong culture with the goal of not only making a great place to work, but improving the lives of the people that work there as well as the community around them. We get into just how they go about doing that and more in the latest episode. As always, we'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line at podcast at sevenshifts.com. Tell us what you think, who you want to hear. Without further ado, here is Chris. Chris, how are you today? Living the dream, man. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Living the dream too. Welcome and thank you for joining our podcast. Excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So um, let's just kick it right off. Tell us a little bit about um, Zunzi's, how you started it and how you got your start in the restaurant hospitality industry. You got it. So Zunzi's is uh, a South African inspired takeout delivery and sandwich shop. We started in Savannah, Georgia in 2005. It was started by our original founders, Johnny and Gabby DeBeer, a uh, South African guy who married uh, a Swiss a Swiss gypsy, kind of a crazy lady. We kind of <laughs> joke around. She's like the most interesting woman in the world. And they ended yeah. up working at a Greek restaurant on the river in Savannah. And um, I found Zunzi's. It sounds like it's almost like a religion. I found Zunzi's, though, <laughs> when I was a Five Guys franchisee in Savannah. Oh, wow. So I got into cool. restaurant business. I was actually really had no intent of being in the restaurant business. Had an intent to own my own business someday. My plan yeah. was to um, go to law school, went to the University of Florida, and while I was there around 2005, 2006, tried Five Guys Burgers and Fries. When I was in school there, back visiting with family, and kind of long story short, it snowballed into a conversation with my parents instead of. <laughs> me making money, going to law school, them taking that money they said they would pay for law school and buying Five Guys franchises in coastal Georgia and South Carolina while I was in college. So massive leap of faith <laughs> for them, yeah. um, which shows, you know, very good parents probably uh, believing a little bit too much in their son in doing that, but took that leap. And then um, I actually worked Friday, Saturdays and Sundays my senior year in 2006 to um, train at Five Guys with a franchisee. I was their first mentor in their mentorship program they were rolling out. And then opened up about six months later and um, it was off to the races, baptism by fire, as they say. Very cool. Uh, did they need any convincing really or they were just kind of down for it when uh, when you pitched that to them? Yeah, you know, we always grew up with my dad making Super Dave burgers and it was like, you know, it was always the best burger that, 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 that we would have. And um, so we always enjoyed burgers. And then, you know, we ate there and we're like, man, this is like the best burger out there. It's a pretty yeah. much a bona fide, fancy hamburger stand. And I was like, that's something I could actually do. And then it, you know, snowballed into doing it. Very cool. Um, so when did you make the jump from the five guys to Zunzi's? Yeah. So the process was our, our development agreement with five guys, which we started in our first location open in 2007 was for seven locations. So ended up building three locations in the first two years. So it was a really quick startup Had three yeah. at the time I was 23 and um, was almost on the edge of burning out uh, at that stage, but you know, stopped the growth 
hired a director of operations, hired an office manager and sort of scale up our, our small business. And then that's set into open up four more locations through 2015. Did that. But um, very cool. Tried Zunzi's in 2008 when I had moved to, to Savannah to open our second location and fell in love with it. Actually, that first time I was there, everybody had said, go try this amazing hole in a wall dive sandwich shop. And I rolled up there. And there was a line of 50 people and the patio had these janky, you know, old rainbow umbrellas with secondhand furniture pieced together and people eating on buckets next to a grease trap and a dumpster. And it was just had all of the character that you would imagine of a, you know, an, an old hole in a wall sandwich shop. And so in that moment, as I was eating a, a conquistador and drinking our South African tea, um, I said, someday I'm going to buy this and franchise, franchise this <laughs> model. And so I kind of put that out in the ether. And I would go yeah. at least once a month, talk to Johnny uh, if Gabby was there and she was in the kitchen, say hi to her and always ask him, hey, if you ever want to sell her franchise, let me know. And so I got a call, actually, my my downtown Five Guys location. So happy I had a good manager who was there at the time, answer the phone. And there was Johnny's trying to get a hold of me, saying <laughs> he wants to sell his restaurant. And so immediately the wow. manager called me uh, and I'm happy he didn't throw it in the red book or something and just get lost. <laughs> and so uh, I got that phone call. And at that time, I was looking at other franchises and nothing was getting me super excited. So it was the perfect yeah. timing. We were looking to diversify, uh, diversify our portfolio. And I was like, man, I'm not 30 yet. I still got a little bit of energy in the tank. And uh, yeah. let's go ahead and kind of get to the other side. And, uh, and so that's what set it off. Very cool. And then so now you have the second location in Atlanta. Is that correct? Yeah. So uh, the process at that time, we bought it at the end of 2014 and immediately put a point of sale system in, got our sales mix, tr tried to do everything we could operationally to streamline operations, build sales, get our cost, yeah. everything in line because it was a mom and pop. And you can kind of run that yeah. a little different, but with our goals, we had to put some systems in place. And so we did that for about two years, got it to where it needed to be, almost doubled sales in that amount of time. And then we said, okay, let's let's figure out what a prototypical location would be. And at that time, our model was looking to be like what our Atlanta location was, which was just a fast, casual takeout delivery sandwich shop and cap 2,000 square feet. And so we did that in 2018, opened that location and spent a lot of time on R&D to develop our menu. We opened the Atlanta location and we went there because we wanted to learn uh, it wasn't a situation of yeah. let's open a restaurant and make some money. It was let's open a restaurant in a market where we don't have brand awareness mm. and really pressure test the model. And so we spent two years refining that, getting it to where it needed to be. Then COVID hit. And so we got COVID, yep. two locations operating. And I said, okay, let's go back to our home base. Close, you know, um, Atlanta had more challenges with COVID than Savannah did. So closed that for a few months yeah. and then focused on Savannah and doing that. And during that time, our lease ran out of that location. And so we were having to find a, find a spot after 15 years, the landlord didn't want a restaurant anymore. It was an old office mm. building and really it was a blessing in disguise. A, a fantastic piece of real estate became available two blocks away. Uh, we were able to pull the trigger on that. And that's what triggered us to create our new model, which is Zunzi's plus Zunza bar, which were our takeout delivery sandwich shop operating in 600 square feet, but we lead with a full beach bar experience. So full liquor, wow. beer and wine, and it's really transformed our entire operation to where we were, you know, a $1.6 million model. And uh, which is great for a fast casual and especially with what we do. And now our, our model is trending uh, almost to 4 million. 
Wow, that's amazing. Those yeah. uh, alcohol sales really uh, give you a little boost. Yeah, so right now it's about twenty five percent of our sales. Really, what it did for us is it it uh, you know it allowed us to operate in what what we now consider the experience side of the business. Before we were just okay. a sandwich shop and yeah. food, a lot of takeout, delivery, and catering, and so that bucket was convenience. And so now, post COVID, people are certainly um, used to convenience, third party delivery, online ordering, all of the tech that's that's really impacted the restaurant business. That's our core business. We've thrived through that. But now, with the reopening of the economy, and if people are craving an experience. People really aren't anymore just you know leaving the house to go eat a meal to fill the, the hunger need that's there. They want to get yeah. up. They want to go out, have a good time, have a full experience. And so we've built that and that whole restaurant and really the bar to lead the, the experience, live music, um, experiential marketing in there. It just, it's perfect for Instagram, TikTok, everything that you want to be able to market your business. Absolutely. And another big piece of that marketing that I see is talking about your, your culture. I know you have a tagline, you know, and, and on the website as well, you, you know, you're listed as the protector of the promise. So tell me a little bit more about Zunzi's um, culture. Right. So um, having been a franchisee, you know, I, I definitely have a, a strong feeling that culture is one of the big differentiators between uh, the most successful brands and the, and, and the ones that aren't. And I think it's critically important as you go into franchising to have a super well-defined culture that is yeah. uh, really on steroids. I joke around the first four letters of, of culture is cult. And so if it's not that strong <laughs> and you can't talk about it that way, then not in a negative way, but a franchisee is probably going to water it down a little bit. So it's got to be 126%. <laughs> So that way, if it's diluted a little bit, it's still going to be there. And we spent a yeah. couple of years really focusing on defining that. I even took two years in that time where I had five guys and Zunzis to figure out my life purpose and said, if I'm going to go yeah. business and go all in on this, I know it's going to be really hard. I've already done it once as a franchisee. It's going to be really hard as a franchisor to, to get to that stage. I need to align my life purpose with my business and purpose and figure that out. So I really took that to heart and it's, it's been very fulfilling in the process. Um, so going back to the title, um, you've got Protector of the Promise. And what that is, is that's our motto, which is shit yeah. Shit yeah, is yeah. Our, it's our motto. Um, it was it started with Johnny at our original location. It was just kind of this, this fun thing with his South African accent. He would say, shit yeah, baby. What I recognized <laughs> when I bought it was our team was saying it and more and equally as important, our, our fans were saying it. I'd walk down the street in a Zunzi shirt and you'd hear a, a shit yeah from Alley or something. And <laughs> you know, it's like, what's the value for a brand that your guests are actually saying your motto? You know, there's just do it, you know, but I, I'm not sure many people see a pair of Nike shoes and say just do it or if they eat a McDonald's. Right. Burger, yeah, yeah, yeah. Loving it, you know, but <laughs> is if they see it right now, they say shit yeah. And so there's a lot of equity in that, even in just a single location. Absolutely. And so I you know, saw that and I said, okay, well, that's going to be our brand promise. So our, it's our promise that whenever anybody engages with our business as a customer, we want them to leave saying shit. Yeah. Nice. And so, and what is that? I'll go ahead. <laughs> yeah. And so it's, it's different than being the best sandwich or the best product. It's a feeling that's associated with it. It means we connected with that fan, that guest, we turned them into a fan. And so even, you know, there's some reviews out there that they'll, put an essay on Yelp or, or Google, 
And I'm scanning it. I'm like, if they didn't say shit, yeah, we didn't check the box. It may be a five-star review and it's a perfect review, but it's missing really that intangible that we didn't connect with the guest. And we're very focused on that. It's actually expanded as we've grown the business and we've seen the impact of all of the stakeholders. It's now our promise to our six stakeholders. And so in that order, we've got our team is number one, our franchisees yeah. number two. We've got our fans number three, our communities four, vendors and then investors. And so we want, as we make decisions, we want to make decisions that we know our team is going to say shit, yeah. And then it moves all the way up in that order. Team, franchisees, you've got your, yeah. your fans. And um, a good example of that is I went into a very, very popular fast casual chain and you know, there's a lot of things that are a lot of decisions that are made from the boardroom and there's a disconnect in the front line. And so there was a national chain that had rolled out a vegan option. I went in there, asked for the manager to get their feedback on it. It was a bunch of ads on the Super Bowl. And I asked them yep. about it and they go, don't get it. Get the other vegan option. Millions of dollars. Oh, marketing, and you go, <laughs> there's a disconnect there. Thousands of locations. Yep. And, and there's that issue. And so I think culture can really close that gap. Absolutely. And what did that process look like, you know, developing that culture? And how did you really, you know, was there a moment that you knew you needed to develop it more? Um, you know, and then how do you go in and, and sit down and, and really kind of hammer it out, give yourself, you know, the language is important, how you present it is important. What was that process like? Yeah. So in that process of figuring out my life purpose and trying to figure out what I really enjoy about the business, I really enjoyed my time at Five Guys where I was able to see our team members start off, drink the company Kool-Aid and just yeah. work with us and be promoted from within and watch their life change in the process. Go from being a fry cook all the way up to being a GM benefits and making money and they're buying a car and a house and having a family and kids and it's, and, you know, they, they really took the opportunity by, by the horns and ran with it. And that was extremely fulfilling, especially as a hands-on franchisee. But there, you know, for as many of those cases as, as there, there were, there were also these situations which if you're a restaurant operator, you fully understand this. You'll invest all of this time in these team and in, in, in some of the team members. It's high-risk human capital. <laughs> Meaning you can invest three years yeah. to get someone that would be that they're about to be a GM to open your next location. And two weeks before opening, they're like, sorry, Chris, I got to move to, you know, Tennessee for whatever reason. And you're like, but yeah. we've been three years and, and you know, <laughs> they feel bad about it. And it's almost like Houdini, these, you know, they just disappear. And it wasn't the things necessarily that we were doing in the business to cause it. It was always things in their life. It could be an addiction that we don't know about. It could be a bad relationship. It could be they yep. made more money and now they're spending too much and they're in over their head. They don't know how to manage it. You know, it could be just the stress of now this new role and they it, it, the things in their life are making that it's kind of overwhelming them. Their life isn't able to support the new responsibilities and the, the, the time associated with it. So I said, man, we got to figure out something that can really be focused on the team member and improving their life. So, and it kind of have a pulse on it. And I think great managers, yeah. they do that. They know what's going on in, in, in their team members' lives. They're having those, you know, one minute conversations a day, you know, to have a pulse. Yeah. yeah I really wanted to make that the key is, is that our team isn't just becoming a better sandwich maker or bartender or whatever, but they're actually, their life is getting better in the process. And it's an aspirational goal of the company. I think 
goal yep. be aspirational. They should pull you towards where you're trying to go. And, um, and so from a, a business standpoint, you say, we have some things. We've got big, bright Rambo umbrellas that are pretty cool. We've got a motto that's shit. Yeah, we've got an interesting menu, the name Zoomsies, you know, a, a lot of things to work with. And I said, yeah. you know, this rainbow umbrella is, is kind of ending up to be a symbol of the company. And I said, you know, what if that could represent a team member's life? And so you'd say, there's eight areas of your life. So there's different areas that we just talked about. The, the rainbow umbrella represents your team member's life or, or, or anybody's life for that. Eight areas of your life. You've got your body, your health, you've got your mind, your emotions, your mental state. You've got your relationships that you have. Um, you've got your time. You have your career. You've got your finances and your money. You've got a sense of giving and celebrating your life. And you have your spiritual and life purpose. Yeah. What we would like to have in our life is to where each of those areas, we feel really good about it. When you really analyze your life and you look at them in different areas and you rate them from one to 10 and say, physically, I feel like I'm a four. And well, then why? Right. And then mentally, I feel like right. I'm a three. And financially, I'm a three. If you add all that together and divide it by eight, you now have a life score. And then so it's a quick way to say, hey, you know, how are you doing in life? And then how can you, you know, make some changes in that? And as a company, when I was developing all of that, I was like, man, a way to, to really prove this out is what if we got to, you know, 100, 200, 300 locations and we had life scores on every team? Yeah. Great businesses measure all sorts of KPIs. Well, what if you knew how your team felt about their life? Mm. Right? And then you could see this store's sales are down and turnovers high. Well, because their life score is low, you know, yeah. right? And so What's what, going can on? You, what can you do as a company about that? And so as we grow the company, I really want to focus on the more we grow, the more we can give. And in that process, we can create resources for our team. It's really tough when someone just breaks up with their boyfriend, girlfriend, significant other. And you're at a busy Friday shift and they're walking in, the manager's in the weeds and, and the, the person's crying and they're like, I'm so sorry to hear about that, but uh, can you clock in? We're under staff, <laughs> right? It'd be yeah. a lot better if, if, if they called 855 shit, yeah, and there was someone to talk to them. So, yeah, absolutely. Coming up with the culture um, is a huge por portion of it and really sitting down and kind of distilling it. And making that promise, but I think kind of executing on it is another, of course, huge part of it. Um, you know, what are some of the kind of tactical ways that you're able to keep and make sure that people's life scores are up? Or what are the ways you're going in, talking to staff and, and figuring out and just making sure that that promise is actually being kept? Yeah. So, you know, so ex explaining what, what, what we just went over, our mission as a company is to inspire others to become the best version of themselves. You have that umbrella, that's the representation of it. Um, the idea is the more full your umbrella is, the more people you can fit under it, right? So if, you're, if your life is really full, then, it's in, then you're able to help people under it. If you're struggling in an area, it's hard to help somebody. And so that's kind of the whole premise of it. And as a company, as we grow, we can do the same thing, uh, the stakeholders of our life. One of the things we do on a daily basis that I think is, really, really strong. And it helps us on, on just managing and it helps young managers is we'll have our team meeting each shift and we don't ask our team how they're doing. We ask mm. them what their number is. Cause if you yeah. ask how you're doing, you usually get a BS answer, right? It's I'm yeah. good. I'm, I'm good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Dog could have been hit by a <laughs> still good. That's just how John is. 
but he's having a right. bad day because right? he just doesn't wear it on his shoulder. Well, when you ask him what their number is, and what we say is zero, I can't be doing any worse. 10, I'm peaked out in life. I'm maxed out. Like I'm never going to do any better. Five is kind of <laughs> lukewarm. I'm, I'm living in life. Where you want to be is I'm a seven to eight. Is I know where yeah. I am, right? I've kind of, I, I have an idea of my life score of my umbrella. I know where I want to be and I'm actively working towards it, right? Yeah. And so that's the sweet spot. And we, and we talk about that. And so it's like rapid fire. Everybody knows how it mm. works. What's your number? What's your number? What's your number? And some days it's like everyone's, a, it's like the average is a three. And on those days, right. managers got to be like, all right, guys, well, we all just can't close up and go to the beach to have a better day. You know, <laughs> let's all decide to be a seven or an eight. The next six hours, let's just, you know, choose to have a great day. There's no reason to just to, to bring it down. Other days, yeah. everybody's really good and it's, it's exciting. And then there's some days where one or two people are, are struggling and they're having a rough day. And everybody knows that we're all going to have a rough day sometimes. So it could be that yeah. it allows, it especially helps young managers, right? A young manager, emotional intelligence, they don't really know how to gauge all that stuff. But this, it's like, all right, well, John came in today and he's always a seven. Well, now he's a five. Now I can talk mm -hmm. to John, pull him aside. Maybe John needs a break. Go yeah. ahead and, and, and take a, take an employee meal and, and take a break first. Or maybe we don't put John on the front lines um, where he's on the register or in a very high customer service position. Maybe they're doing prep or doing project cleaning or something else that they're not having yeah. to engage at that high level that's needed. Um, maybe they, they're the first ones to be cut just so they can go ahead and have some extra time. Allows you to manage the shift much better and also gives you a pulse as a manager. Absolutely. It's probably the best day-to-day -day tool that we use that ties to our mission. Yeah. And it's one of those things. It's, you know, someone will come in and, and if you don't really ask, you'll never know, right? Someone could need that extra attention. You can't really rely on people to guess based on kind of body language. I think sometimes people just, they'll come into work and they'll just try to put their best foot forward, even if they're having a really rough day for some other reason. So it kind of gives managers, oh, well, maybe I need to pay attention to Chris today a little extra instead of just kind of assuming everything is good. So you got it. Exactly. And do you track kind of those scores anywhere? Like do you record them anywhere? Just kind of see how people are over time or? Yeah. So pre, you know, for, for that on those, on, on the daily basis, that's actually a, a great idea. It'd be just nice to be able to take a note and, and then do an average. Um, we yeah. have a form, which is like our, our wheel of life or our, our uh, umbrella of life that we've, we built out as a spreadsheet and it, and it can be done during COVID. It was just a wild west for us. And, you know, having that, yeah. the fundamentals of the culture, we all know, know why the company exists, what we're working towards, but it's kind of like when the world's on fire, it's tough to like do those kind of evaluations. Yeah. So we're, we're How are you feeling today? <laughs> zero. <laughs> A lot of zeros, right? Yeah. So the past two and a half years, um, the culture was able to get through it and really pressure tested it, which was good. That's awesome. So we're going to get back to it. And I think long-term, I'd love to get an app that, that would be in place. And it's just as you clock in, go ahead and knock it out. And it would be a great way to do yeah. it and on a monthly or quarterly basis, the same thing. And then you could have all of this data and, uh, and resource. It'd be pretty cool. Absolutely. I think, uh, I think we can probably help out with that. Uh, so uh, I'll some, let you know. Some, <laughs> um, so another thing that we do tying to our culture is uh, we, we do a monthly event called Zunzi Fest. Oh, cool. Um, and so what this is, it's our way to say thank you to our six stakeholders for being a part of our business 
and helping us grow to this point and to the future. So it's the second Tuesday of every month and it allows us to have touch points with our six stakeholders. So we've got our fans. We give away through our community app, a text messaging app. You can join that and then we'll send out a code for you to bring in. You get a free chicken sandwich or a conquistador or a vegan option, the rising sun, a six inch. And then, um, and so you can come in and get that. You can buy chips, drinks, cookies, any extra stuff. And uh, 26% of the sales goes to a local nonprofit. So we partner with a nonprofit that would uh, be aligned with our mission. And uh, we partner with them, do the press release, create the awareness. Um, they usually come and you know set up a booth so they can share what they do with, with the fans nice. coming in. And then we also close early and have a team party for our team. So from six to eight on that day, we close at five, close up from six to eight, we'll order some food. Um, everybody can have two drinks at the bar. It's a chance for us to all get together and just kind of hang out, be thankful for the success of the business. Maybe talk a little bit about why we're in business, the culture and all those sort of things. Nice. You know, we aren't trying to be too heavy during that time after we just of course. <laughs> put a thousand sandwiches in six hours, you know, which is a, a fun day for us. So you've got our fans taken care of. You've got our team taken care of uh, the community. We're engaging with it sponsored by our vendors. So it's one of those things yep. that we want our vendors to be a part of all of our agreements that we put in place. They'll be discounting or providing product for us. So we can um, basically the goal of it is a break even day and doing it. Yep. Our vendors, I'm sorry, our investors and our franchisees win because it's this really atomic bomb, I, I say, of marketing, of goodwill in the community, spreading yeah. awareness of why we're in business, getting a lot of people engaged in our business that haven't heard about us. We you know, sponsored ads through social media to join the community and then they can opt in. And it's been unbelievable. Almost 80% of the, of the people that come are first time guests. Um, our wow. fans don't want to wait in line for an hour to get a free sandwich. They'll just come in. They, they <laughs> love our business, um, but it's yeah. a great way to get people in the door. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great, you know, I think that's like, it's pretty genius. It, it hits pretty much every box, right? You, of course you're, you know, doing something for your team, doing something for your guests. It's customer acquisition, it's marketing content, it's vendor relations, it's investor relations. So yeah, it, it's uh that's a great, really awesome idea that just, I think, really is one one day a month where you get to kind of hit on all those notes. Yeah. And, you know, we wanted to plant that flag before we franchised. It's tough to roll something. And I've talked to a bunch of founders, CEOs of, of larger chains. And the one thing they say is absolutely love the idea of it. We can never do it because our franchisees wouldn't buy into it at this stage. And so, right, you know, we want a very polarizing culture. We want franchisees that are 100% sold on the culture. I always tell people, you know, the, the first step of our franchise process is the intro call with our director of franchising. If it checks that box, fill the application out. The, the third step is, to, is an hour call with me. And I talk culture like I am on this call for about an hour. And uh, yeah. I talk about cost of goods or labor or profitability. I tell you to go buy it <laughs> Johns. So yeah. <laughs> It's just, we aren't looking for a thousand franchisees. We get, you know, the right franchisees that, that understand the culture. Uh, we know we're going to be successful with that. And um, absolutely. You know, with Zunzi Fest, one of the reasons we wanted to do it as well, we wanted a KPI of our business. So we wanted to yeah. align our growth with something that was unlimited. And there's, there's always the question, how big do you want to grow your brand? Right. And for some people, right. I talked to Inspire Brand CEO, they're like, oh, you can open a 500 in a couple of years. And then, Right. Talk to an independent operator and you're like, I want to open, you know, three in Florida. They're like three in the next two years. What? And there's this. Right. It doesn't make sense. And so 
I said, what's one thing that's unlimited that we could do it? And that's giving. There's no matter how big you get, there's yeah. always be a need to give to the stakeholders, open up a location in a community that's underserved, that's not operating yeah. up, you know, a, a great restaurant that can serve its stakeholders. And so with that Zunzi Fest as a KPI, our target giving per location is $26,000. And, um, and so okay. that's 12 months a year that we're doing that. So you're looking just over $2,000 per Zunzi Fest donated to a local nonprofit. And so that yeah. way we can sh show just like you would have sales, you would have labor, cost of goods, your you know average review score, NPS, different things that you're looking for. For us, we have giving on there. So we can say, okay, yep. we now open a new location. There's, there should be another $26,000 minimum a year. And then as that grows, yep. you can see the impact you have as a company just built in. It's just into your DNA. Absolutely. And it's kind of like putting a KPI on culture, which is very tough to do because it's such a, you know, a thing that just it has so many things. But I think if you're not, if you're solid, if your culture is not solid at that location of your franchisee, you're probably not going to hit that number because you're unorganized or people aren't really down to do it or, you know, the relationships are strained. And I, I think that's a, a great way of, of tracking it. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think that's a good, a good point during COVID. It was just, you know, it, it's, it's a hard time. And we had been doing Zunzi Fest for a while. We had probably almost two years until COVID hit. And you know, we talked to our team and there was just like, man, we're worn out. <laughs> It's been busy with yeah. busy restaurant or, you know, top, top rated takeout, catering, sandwich shop in Savannah, Atlanta, same thing. And I said, hey, our team isn't saying, you know, shit, yeah, about this. Let's pause it. And I put that out on social. And I said, our team just isn't ready to, to, to do Zunzi Fest. They're just burning the candle at both ends and we're going to pause it for a few yeah. minutes. And we, and we did that a few times and our, our fans really appreciated that. And I think that's part of the social media. It's really designed to be a relationship. It's not supposed to be the brand talking totally. to everybody it's supposed to be a conversation. Yeah, absolutely. If you're not able, if you don't have like, is it kind of like put your mask on before you put the other mask on? Like if you're not there and you're not feeling good, you can't really give to other people or else it's just not going to be, you're going to take away from it, you know, at the end of the day. So correct. Um, so that's Zoomsies, Um and it drives a lot of what we yeah. do. Zoom, so that's, that's how it started. Zoom's a bar is what we're, you know, now super excited about. Yeah, we've been a, a fast casual takeout takeout delivery catering shop for a long time. Now we lead with this full bar experience, and we did that because Absolutely. it was our franchisees and our own corporate locations to have the the best opportunity to succeed financially. And so we're taking yeah. the best of fast casual, limited menu, QSR, marry that with the best of full service, having high profit bar. We've got frozen drinks, so we can you know move move those quickly. And then you've got a tip wage model, so you've got labor savings in a tip wage model you've got um, mm. experience and that's what's what, what's really been amazing watching all that come together and then we've leveraged yeah. with toast as our partner with pay at the table with unique qr code ordering we have three kiosks in the operation around our 100 seat patio 60 seats inside and then we have handhelds um, so we really want guests now some guests want full a full experience they want to sit at a table yeah. And be left alone and they're on the qr code and the food comes to them and it's great and they got their headphones on there's others that don't want to place their order on a qr code and we've got a server there able to do it uh, but it's allowed our yeah. server now to take twice the amount of sections they can make more money and uh, that combination has just been amazing over the past year that's incredible and that's the is that what you're franchising is the zooms of bar we are so it's it's both it's zooms of bar plus Zunzi, okay. like this dual branded concept very cool
And so that's been, been a lot of fun with that, with the mission and culture and how it ties to Zunzi. So you've got the rainbow umbrella and it represents your life. Yeah. thing we just talked about our logo for Zunza bar is that rainbow umbrella sitting in a cocktail. And so our nice. mission of Zunza bar is to inspire you to celebrate your life. And so everything we do, we want to own the place in our, our fans mind that when something great happens in life, let's go celebrate at Zunza bar. Uh, life's too short yeah. to just grind the whole time. Uh, take that life for a while throw that umbrella in a cocktail and then throw it back. And so everything we do is designed from live music, experiential marketing, neon signs, uh, the way it's designed to really, you know, you've got shot skis, you've got beer shot combos, reasonably priced bottomless mimosas, uh, really fun happy hour, uh, two hours a day, half off the entire bar, seven days a week. We do these things where you really want to just be a place where people can always have a good time and, and know that. Yeah. And, and with that culture, I think, you know, it's also ensuring that that's not at the expense of the people that work there too. It's, um, you know, everyone's having a good time, including, including the employees. Correct. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think from a fast casual standpoint, fast casual and QSR fast food can be a grind. And so taking yeah. our model that is, you know, we're a high volume sandwich shop. We're pushing out hundreds and hundreds of sandwiches a day in this operation they're allowed to kind of be a part of a really fun atmosphere and bar because of that. It's not just a sandwich shop pushing out sandwiches. You got live music, you got the music playing, you've got this, this whole interaction going. And uh, that's really helped us in regards to attracting our team members as well. Yeah, absolutely. On top of that amazing culture. And with that, I guess, you know, my last question is really like kind of directed at, you know, listeners and people that want to improve their restaurant culture. You know, where should people start? If they, if they kind of identify, you know, maybe my culture could use some work, you know, what's the most important, important place to, to kind of start that conversation? Um, I think if you're the, the owner or the founder of the business, I think you got to start with yourself and say, why are you really in the business? You know, I think that's, that's critically important. Um, for me, it's not yeah. just to make money. There's so many better ways to make money in the restaurant business. And yeah. um, so I think you, just, you know, really focus on trying to figure out why you exist Try to align that yeah. with the business. And that way, when you have those tough days, you at least know you're working towards that. For me, our vision statement in the company is the restaurant business sucks. We're here to change it. Yeah. So we tell our team, when, when, you know, we, we lead with that. The restaurant business sucks. Our franchise sales process, the restaurant business sucks. We're here to change it. <laughs> uh, what we say is when you change those things in the restaurant business, um, you create value for your stakeholders. When you improve scheduling, ordering, R&M, facilities, you've got HR, all these things. There's death by a thousand cuts that you can complain about. Yeah. Uh, we joke around, you got to learn to eat shit and like it in this business. And <laughs> yep. so, you know, you'll, you'll create value for the stakeholders in, in, in doing that. And one of the ways we're doing it, so you got Zunzi Fest is one way. We're super excited. Yep. August, we're about to launch a program. Restaurant employees have just been devastated over the past couple of years with COVID. Now you've got inflation yeah. going on, gas prices. There are some of the people that eat out restaurants and bars the most. And so we're launching something called 8626 from 2 to 6. Okay. I've mentioned uh, number 26 throughout <laughs> it for the letter Z, Zunzi, Zunza yeah. bar. But it's if you're in the restaurant business, you're an employee, hospitality, bar, if you come into Zunzi's between two to six every single day, we'll 86, 26% of your check. Okay. <laughs> and so it's when cool. shift change, it's usually the slower time of the restaurant. And so yeah. 
I look at that and I say, what if every restaurant did that? What if every restaurant yep. took care of other restaurant employees from two to six, usually the slowest time of the business, you're still paying for overhead. Yep. You got people there, there's food being cooked. It would decrease the cost of living of restaurant employees across the board, just from them dining out from, from you know, two to six at that time by 26%. Right, absolutely. Just makes sense. Yeah. And, uh, and so, you know, I think that the way to do those sort of things is, you know, we're going to do those things like Zunzi Fest that are very aggressive. We're going to do 86, 26 from two to six, very aggressive. And my goal is through growing our business, doing things our way and what we believe is the right way. We can you know, create influence in the business, get on podcasts like you yeah. and shifts, tell our story and, uh, yeah. and hopefully inspire other people to think outside the box and, uh, align their growth with giving. Absolutely. And I think it's just so important to acknowledge, I think, the industry's uh, shortcomings, because you could easily just say, yeah, this industry sucks. Like you're saying, that's just what it is. Get over it. You hear it all you the know. time. But I think what you're saying is it does suck and we need to change that. And let's, you know, you see the opportunity in it. I think there's a lot of great restaurant owners that are beginning to see that opportunity saying, you know, this can be a great industry to work in, to work for. Hats off to you and the team for for kind of recognizing that and, and looking to make those changes. Well, thank you. It's uh, change is hard when you're trying to do things that people don't understand. It'll yes. make them kind of scratch their head. And sometimes your team members are like, huh, why are you doing that? And I think it's why having culture from the start of why you're in business and having that well-defined, it kind of gives you permission to do things outside the box. Absolutely. And with that, um, where can folks find you? Yeah, so right now we've got our Zunzi. Zunzi of our location is in downtown Savannah. Uh, we have our fast casual model, and that is in Atlanta. We are uh, in the process. We're keeping the whole Florida market for corporate locations. So we're working on a joint venture deal right now. Goal is to open three locations in the next 24 months. Very good. We've got some franchise deals pending right now in North Carolina and Tennessee, and we're selling franchises differently. I think bad part of the franchise business is the way franchises are sold. I've never seen more people yeah. get into my pocket with our brand than, than announcing franchising. And so we're taking yeah. all that in-house. We want to do it different. And um, we're really excited to see where it's going to take us. Absolutely. So Atlanta, Savannah now, and soon to be you know all across the Southeast. So um, very exciting. And thank you so much again for coming on the show today. Shit, yeah, DJ. I'm excited. Appreciate your time. Yeah, Chris. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again for checking out the Restaurant Growth Podcast presented by Seven Shifts. We're so grateful to our listeners and we'd love to hear from all of you. Send us an email to podcast at sevenshifts.com and check us out on social. We're at Seven Shifts on all platforms. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and we'll see you next week.